Natalie from DD Agency here with a not-so-subtle message about marketing. You're listening to this podcast, so chances are you're looking to really learn and grow, which is fantastic. Seriously, bravo. But we all know smart, effective marketing oftentimes takes a village, and that's where DD Agency comes in. Smart and effective are two okay words to describe us, but let me be very clear. We also aren't afraid to push the envelope. We put on our lab coats and test the new and exciting every day. So if you want to join forces with a digital marketing agency who challenges conventional thinking, it's DD Agency. Learn more about our team and our services at ddagency.net. And rule of five people, what is up? If you're wondering why this voice is feminine, <laughs> it is because it is not Zach Boozy Cruz. Um, hi, everyone. I am Natalie Gleason, and I will be actually hosting this podcast, our 100th episode of the Enrollify Core podcast, and putting Zach in the hot seat for once as what? the interviewee. Um, super excited to be here and for what we have to cover today. So hello and welcome, Zach. How are you? Natalie, it is a privilege uh, to be a guest for the very first time on the Enrollify podcast. I don't know how I feel about this, to be honest. I'm a little nervous. Yeah, I'm, you know, we're also in the same room for everybody that cannot see us right now, <laughs> um, which is very cool. And I can tell that the the seat is currently cool that he's in, but it's about to get super hot. Ooh, that was good. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm already sweating. I just, I, I'm like, <laughs> I'm drinking a lot of water because I don't know what we're, what we're going to talk about today. So, right. Ugh. It, yeah. So, um, we, we do have a lot to cover and I'm pretty much, I try to be a stickler about time too. I'm very like, oh, let's put some structure in this so that we don't end up talking for three hours, which we totally could. <laughs> so um, I think we should kind of dive right into this. Um, and like I said, the premise of this episode is really to cover where we've been, where we're going, um, random tidbits about Zach himself and some you know, behind the scenes about the Unrollify team. So hopefully it's entertaining, if not, um, you know, helping you grow in your enrollment marketing role. Nat, so. who are you? Like, oh, who, shoot. Yeah, I, I, I mean, should. for the people that are like, yeah, you know, she's clearly better than Zach as a host already, but who is she? Oh. Like, tell tell folks who you are. Yeah. Oh, that would be very helpful. Thank you for that prompt. Um, so most relevant, I think, to who we're speaking with, uh, I came from the ad tech realm. So interesting story about how I heard about Enrollify, which is, I think, more interesting than, you know, Natalie's background. You can read my bio on the, you know, the, the blog. Um, but it's, I was working for Mongoose. If you haven't heard about Mongoose, they're a super progressive, forward-thinking um, ad tech company. And they have a texting platform and a chat bot. And, you know, about a year and a half ago, we were about to launch, you know, Harmony, which is their virtual assistant chat bot. And um, I was looking into different ways that we could tap into the enrollment and, you know, education space and go to market with this brand new product. And I got a LinkedIn message from some <laughs> rando named Zach who was talking about, and Rollify. Um, what is in Rollify? You know, it, I think it started with the review platform, Chatter, 
that, hey, you know, Mongoose has a free listing here and we'd love you guys to take a look at it, make sure it's good to go. And also, you know, maybe potentially talk about how we could collaborate on things. And I was like, okay, all right, I'll take a look. Um, checked it out. I'm like, all right, like this this guy, this team, they're onto something here with Chatter. Then I learned a little bit more about Enrollify altogether. And then I actually met Zach over Zoom conversations. And it was just a lot of really awesome marketing conversations. So from someone who worked for marketing at the EdTech company, I just really enjoyed our conversations and geeking out over like what works and, you know, his perception of what harmony could be at the time too like you started offering suggestions on our tagline and our <laughs> messaging and i'm like who is this guy who do you think totally you are? unsolicited yeah yeah <laughs> um but i was just you know super impressed and we wanted to get get in um so you know to date i'm super excited that you know i'm no longer with mongoose but i ended up you know leaving i needed a change of scenery and actually ended up at the same parent company that Zach works for too called Direct Development where um, it's a family of brands and I kind of oversee marketing strategy across the board. So behind the scenes, I am involved in Unrollify and it's just awesome how... <laughs> Beautiful story. Yeah, full circle. Here we are um, ready to you know continue that relationship. What... Uh, I don't know if you remember this, but I, I think... I had just found Loom like a month before mm -hmm. and we were launching Chatter and I thought, you know what, I, I want to be notified, right? Like when people actually view this, what was essentially like a soft sales pitch, right? Mm -hmm. And so I remember getting the ping saying, Natalie Gleason has watched your video and I thought it was like the coolest thing. And for those of you who don't use Loom, you really should. Um, but then you didn't respond. And I think I had to follow up like once or twice. <laughs> I was like, I was like, hello, hello, anyone there? Earth, Natalie. And then, right, when we did talk, it was really you and the Mongoose folks that first in like suggested that Enrollify consider some sort of partner program. Mm -hmm. At the time, we were, we were thinking of like, hey, people can buy one-off ad space on our podcast or in our newsletters. And it was really you all that helped inspire the idea of what would become mm -hmm. our partner program so so thank you yeah you're welcome um sorry about you know ghosting you on <laughs> the initial outreach uh, it all but, worked out it all yeah, worked out you know us marketers we get super busy yeah. so you all know excuses, what that excuses. looks like okay yeah. all right <laughs> Segway. <laughs> Segway into what we're really you know diving into today and um we've got a ton of questions for you to cover all right so let's dive right into the questions First being, you know, set the stage. Give us the skinny on how things started and how things are going. What was your vision when you started Enrollify way back when in this series? And how have things lived up to that or not? Hmm. That's a great question. And I've been briefed by Nat and our team here that I have to be concise <laughs> with my answers. Please, and please. For, for all of our listeners, those of you who have, you know, followed us for a while or have listened to more than one episode know that brevity is not my strong suit. So I'm going to attempt to be concise here, um, but be patient with me. So, I mean, the there's a long story, but the short, short story is, as Nat mentioned, Direct Development is Enrollify's parent company, and Direct Development has been in the education marketing space for quite literally three decades. Um, and I've been a part of the team since 2013 and worked with a number of incredible institutions 
uh, really sort of dove into this idea that was still novel at the time of, of inbound marketing, right? Like this idea that you could create really, really good educational content and then organically attract right the right qualified prospective students to to your school, to your college or university. And we got on board HubSpot really, really early before people knew, before HubSpot was sort of like a, a household name. Mm-hmm. And we uh, took some of our legacy clients, brought them on to HubSpot, helped them sort of implement inbound strategies for the very, very, very first time. And that totally revolutionized like DD and, and, and the business. And that was really, really exciting for a while. But one of the things that I started realizing uh, in late 2018 was that while our marketing services were taking off, while there was a lot of really, really great stuff happening in the industry, while schools were becoming a little bit more used to and excited about digital recruitment strategies, there was this missing component in the space around how do we help essentially sort of like unpack a lot of the learning, a lot of the content, a lot of the insight that we have and make that insight, make that learning accessible and available to any person working in admissions or marketing in higher ed who might not be able to afford, right, a agent agency services, might not be able to sort of like go all in on inbound, but could benefit greatly from some of our learnings. So I went to the team and I said, hey, I, I'd like to go and figure out what we could do in the community space. Like, what would it actually look like to build a different kind of association? What would it actually look like to build a community that was digital first? And they were gracious enough to say, yeah, go go think on this. So a few months later, um, I came back with a pitch and I said, hey, I think that there's this convergence happening between admissions and marketing. And I think that there needs to, we need there needs to be a community at the center of that convergence. And that community needs to be based on quality content. That needs to be sort of like the core of of the community. And that idea ended up becoming Enrollify. Um, so we started off very small. It was really like a blog. Then we, mm-hmm. we graduated to a, a podcast. And today we're sort of this thriving content hub and got some exciting things coming down the pipeline that we'll talk about, I'm sure, later on in this conversation. But that's that's how it started. Mm-hmm. So yeah, needless to say, you know, an impressive start organically. The growth that we've seen is awesome here, and we're not stopping now. So we better not be. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Um, so as a marketer yourself, you know, given your experiences and starting with DD back in 2013, and now you know founding Enrollify, is there anything that you've learned through your you know? interviews and all the people that you've spoken with that you do apply to your day-to-day any sort of philosophy Mm. or you know core thing that you never knew before but through all this you now practice yeah I mean so many things um one of the things I like to tell folks when I hop on a partner meeting or I'm about to start an interview with a, a guest that I'm particularly excited about interviewing you know, they ask me, hey, so what, what exactly is Enrollify? What, what is it that you guys are doing? What are you building? And one of the things I get to say a lot is that I, I get to learn full time. Like that's basically what I get to spend most of my time doing is like talking to people that are way smarter than me, that have done really, really cool things in their respective spaces, that have built some of the best ed tech, ed tech companies or have helped lead their college or university through a massive sort of paradigm shift in how they think about student recruitment. And I just get to ask them to share their stories and to help impart some of the wisdom that they've garnered over their tenure uh, upon me. And that's that's just 
a, I mean, that's a remarkable privilege, right? That mm-hmm. that I just get to like tap into the minds of people that are doing some really, really cool things in the space. And so a couple of like practical things. Uh, I was interviewing, it was, I believe, Rand Fishkin who said this. And Rand Fishkin, for those of you who don't know, he uh, founded uh, Moz and he is now the founder of SparkToro. He's a big sort of like, thought leader in the marketing space. And he was gracious enough uh, to come on to the Enrollify podcast, which was a little bit outside of his industry. But, um, you know, he just is is a is a whiz, a wizard when it comes to all things SEO. So he came on the pod. And, and one of the things he said, which really stuck with me, he said, one of the challenges that most marketers face when they're trying to develop content strategy, when they're trying to develop a go-to-market strategy what they do is they they try to sort of like adopt some sort of messaging that they've heard before or a tone or a style of like what they think success should look like, right? And he said, when it comes to messaging, when it comes to copywriting, when it comes to even a, something as simple as a podcast interview, you should speak, you should write how you speak and mm-hmm. how you write, right? Like conversational tone when Zach writes an email, it should sound like Zach writing an email to Nat, right? Mm-hmm. When Zach sends an email out to the Enrollify audience, it really it shouldn't sound not like Zach, right? And that really stuck with me because at the time, right, especially as we were just getting started, it, it felt like you had to emulate. Like I remember listening to The Daily, right, the New York Times podcast, and Michael Barbaro, who's like their host, is just fantastic. And his intonation, the way that he conducts conversations, the way that he tells stories is just so absolutely uh, beautiful. And and I aspired to be like Michael. But I'm not like Michael. And the way mm-hmm. that I talk is not like Michael Barbaro. Like, and he, what he does is so great and so excellent. But that should have no bearing on how I conduct an interview or how I send an email, etc. And so that's a, a long way of saying that one of the first lessons that uh, an interviewee has taught me or has uh, encouraged me to do that has very much changed the way that I approach just about everything I do is say, hey, market like you talk, market mm-hmm. like you write, and know that that is more than sufficient. And that is, in, you know, in an era where people talk about being authentic and being, you know, being who you are, etc. There's nothing more authentic than actually communicating how you communicate. Yes. It's so easy to fall into that trap of, you know, business professional, Natalie, you know, how diplomatic do I need to be in my writing so that the message comes off clear and fair and all the things don't overthink it. Um, at the end of the day, we're, we're talking to other humans. Yeah. So, yeah, no. And, and, uh, that's, I think that that's a nice segue into the second learning too, Mm -hmm. around there's just a lot of potential in the community marketing space. And, what that means, at least to me, is every marketer knows that word of mouth is is the ideal, right? If you can just get people talking about whether it's your product or your service or if you're, you know, we're, we're enrollment marketers, so your institution, your program, right? Then you've done your job, right? A referral from Natalie saying, Zach, you should go study at this particular MBA. You should go enroll at this particular MBA program. That is going to matter way more to me. That is going to hold an amount of influence that's significantly greater than any sort of advertising message that I that I receive. Absolutely. And as marketers, it's like, okay, how do you replicate that, right? And I think that the closest thing 
to word of mouth is community marketing. And so I think a lot about um, the various people that have come on the show that have talked about sort of like conversational marketing, that have talked about sort of the importance of building a community behind your brand, like the differences between audience and community. And, you know, the, the real difference there is anyone can have an audience. An audience is an email list, right? A community is like you can remove yourself from that situation and you don't have to create content. And people are creating content and having dialogue amongst themselves. Like that's when you know that you've created real community, right? And so I think the greatest of uh, initiatives, um, the, the thing that I'm most excited about about what we're doing here at Enrollify is trying to create a community of people that work in enrollment management and admissions and supporting arenas around that. And I think if we can do that successfully, we can genuinely say that we've done something that has bettered the industry as a whole. If we can first focus on community, first focus on like enabling people to feel like they are actually learning and there's this reciprocity between sort of like learning and sharing. If, if we can figure out how to do that, I, I think we've won. Um, so anyways, mm -hmm. a long way to go to get to that to get there. But I think focusing on community first in your communications, community first in your marketing, um, that, that, that's what separates, I think, like the leaders from the followers. Totally. And, and I think too, the, the sense of community a lot has to do with that sense of belonging. Like maybe we don't all have the same setup at our institutions or at our companies that make us relatable across the board, but there's something in here that we do share in common. Mm. So, you know, thinking about maybe one thing that you've seen as an obstacle or a challenge that a lot of our listeners are experiencing over the past year, you know, I know pandemic, aside from the pandemic and all of the COVID obstacles, um, yeah. is there anything that has come up from, you know, multiple conversations or what you've heard that is kind of that sense of, you know, we're all in this together and, there's, there's something that is here that we can help solve together. Yeah. Yeah. The thing that comes to mind is marketing attribution. And while people like to talk, like you go to conferences, right? And there's always the, you know, the vendor presentation with the, you know, name brand institution and they get up and they talk about how they executed this incredible search campaign and not like, you know, traditional search, but like a paid search campaign or, hey, this is how we, you know, generated a $10 cost per acquisition of a new contact of a new inquiry from Facebook. And this is everything that we did. And it was this amazing campaign. And we increased enrollment by 10%. Right. Sounds amazing. Yeah, sounds Perfect. amazing, right? It, it sounds like everything just like happened um, uh, seamlessly. And, you know, this isn't to discount any particular strategy or approach or any particular vendor or company. But like at the end of the day, I think it's very fair to say that everyone is struggling with this question around marketing attribution, right? Mm -hmm. And specifically, we're, we're living in a world where it's like there are multiple touch points in any customer journey and especially prospective student journeys, right? Even like, think about grad school, right? Yeah. Think about, you're talking about an 18 to 24 month on average, right? Timeline from when somebody becomes aware that they're interested in potentially pursuing a grad program to when they actually enroll, right? That is two years. There's a <laughs> lot of shit that happens in two years, right? A lot of emails, a lot of social posts. And so how do you give credit where credit is due? So I think that the, the unifying thing that I have seen throughout the people that I've talked to, the interviews that we've done, and just even conversations that we've had outside of uh, the podcast have been around, okay, 
the world is multi-attribution. Mm-hmm. Like the future of marketing is multi-attribution. There is no one single channel. There is no one single tactic. There is no one single strategy that gets all the credit for enrolling a student, right? And I think we've known this in theory, but I think in practice, this has become much more real. Now, what's great and exciting is that there are more tools than ever before that can help us understand where prospects came from, right? How they, what what their actual digital footprint looked like on their journey to enrollment. And that's really exciting. And I think that that's yes. what folks should be leaning into and investing in um, is software, is, is insight into what is that journey? Like, what does that actually look like? So I think like the unifying factor, and I think the word of encouragement that I would give for folks is like, hey, Nobody has the corner on multi-attribution. Like no institution has figured out exactly where to invest all of their marketing dollars in a way that is like just systematically true, Mm -hmm. right? Like we are still, there's still a lot of guessing and testing as there probably always will be with marketing. But I think the difference is that now we are living in a world where multi-attribution is actually possible and you can assign some level of credit right to a particular action whether that's a blog post that a prospect read whether that's an email that they opened right whether it's a digital advertising uh you know display ad that they clicked whatever it might be so the unifying factor is nobody knows how to do marketing attribution really Mm -hmm. well there's a lot of room to grow in our understanding of like some frameworks that we could use to to get better at it and i think that there's just a lot of hope because of the tools that are now available on the market where there's going to be a world very, 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 very soon where we can give value, where we can assign credit to individual actions that a prospect takes on their journey to enrollment so that admissions can get excited about like, this is how we influenced you know, this population. Marketing can get more credit around, yes, you did, but here are all the things that they did that we did super well to enable those conversations to happen. And we're just going to see with much greater clarity the things that are working really well and the things that aren't. Yeah. So the, uh, more behind the scenes here at Enrollify, you know, these are things that we deal with as well when we're planning and we're reflecting yeah. and we're analyzing and we're, we're looking at what we possibly can um, to see what is working and, and how our audience is consuming this, you know, robust content that we do put out across platforms. Imagine if we just had this core podcast and that was it. Do you think yeah. that we would get the reach that we need to, no. to grow? No. No. Heck no. So, you know, <laughs> speaking of that, then like what are some of the other Enrollify resources that shameless plug you want to throw out there that hmm. intentionally we put together to provide the information, that digital hub of content that our, our listeners, our readers can can go to for more. Yeah, yeah. You know, one of the 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 questions, right, that we asked ourselves as we were forming Enrollify was how could we help enrollment marketers optimize the resources they do have right. to generate the results that they need right like that was the big question we were we were wrestling with is like we want to we want to teach people right to fish mm-hmm. um as opposed to fishing on their behalf and anyways one of the things that became very evident was that we needed more than just a blog. We needed more than just this one podcast, right? We needed e-courses. Mm-hmm. We needed robust digital guides, right, that actually walked people through, hey, here's how to set up a marketing attribution system at your organization. We needed stories, right, from leaders in the space to 
I don't know, inspire people, like to get people excited about education marketing, to remind people that, hey, the work that you're doing really matters. So we launched, you know, Starter Stories, which is another one of our, the podcast that's a part of this network. And, you know, we didn't have to do all these things. We could have just, we could have doubled down and just focused on trying to grow the podcast. And I think that, you know, I don't know, maybe, maybe we should have, maybe that would have been easier. But we've always been about, again, trying to help meet people where they're at and trying to help give them ideas, insight, et cetera, to optimize what they do have, whether that's their time, whether that's their team, whether that's their budget, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think it would have been impossible for us to do that effectively for everybody that's working in this space with just a blog post or right. you know just a podcast. So we are evolving into something much greater than kind of like where we've been. We, I think it's safe to say we've we've been a really awesome kind of resource hub for folks to come and read content. We produce Fridays, these fun little like videos that share new ideas, new musings, right, that people can adapt and use in their particular context. We've got four or five, soon to be like six different podcasts, right, <laughs> as part of our network. Um, we've got some e-courses right now. We're building out even new e-courses that are video-based, which is really, really exciting. So, um, and I don't know if I'm allowed to share this, but uh oh, should I share freak. it? I, I think I think we can share it. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we're also going to be rolling out a jobs board, right? Like we want to help what? people. Yeah, yeah. Newsflash, and and we want to do this different. Like it, it's it's going to be a very very different kind of experience. And so, the goal, like what we're actually trying to do, is we want to be the place where higher ed comes to learn new marketing skills discover new software and services, network with the best minds in the industry and find their next gig. Like that is what we are aspiring to be. We're not there yet. Like mm -hmm. let's be clear. <laughs> um, but but that's what that's what we're building towards. So any any sort of educational resource, e-course, new podcast that falls into that sort of like broad umbrella of a mission, mm -hmm. that's what we want to do. That's what we want to focus on. Yes. And it it's not possible at all to do that with just you know, our team here and yeah. Zach, you know, total credit to you for pioneering and Rollify and all of this, but it is, we're getting to the point where that guest contribution and who's, who's going to become part of these conversations and help us grow beyond the people that work here, yeah. you know, at DDHQ. Yeah. Um, so it's, you know, let's continue that momentum and make sure that these resources are available and other people have, you know, product input. In yeah. Them. Yeah. You know, and and we'd be remiss to not talk about our partners, right? And who have who've helped make all of this possible, right? So, and I, I do think that this is an important part of the story. So we, we mentioned that Enrollify, right, is part of the direct development family of brands. But what we did very, very intentionally, right, from day one, is we decided as a team that Enrollify was not going to be this direct lead generator for DD and DD agency, right? DD agency, full services, uh, education marketing agency, fantastic, fantastic team of people there. Um, but the, while the temptation was, let's just build this great resource hub. Let's get all these email addresses. Let's promote all this free content. And then let's turn around and like try to get people to buy DD agency services. Like that was not the goal. And no. we, we intentionally said, you know what? No, so much so that we literally, we bought a different CMS, a different CRM. We decided that Anyone that came into the Enrollify pipeline was never allowed to be communicated with or reached out to by a DD agency salesperson unless that person had also opted in for DD sure. agency content, right? right? And so, and I think that that's really important because we wanted this to be a 
you know, a safe space for people to come and learn and not feel like their information was just going to be abused or sold or, you know, um, that, that, that this was some, you know, sort of, sort of uh, lead into services. Like we really wanted to draw that, that hard line. But, <laughs> right, if we drew that hard line, then we knew that like we needed we needed help funding this thing. Like we needed help creating <laughs> yeah. this thing. Like if we're not going to rely on DD agency to support this from a revenue standpoint, from an investment standpoint, like how are we going to do this? And so we went to, you know, after the conversation we had when you were still at Mongoose, we started going to a couple other people, trusted folks in the space and said, hey, here's what we're trying to do. Mm-hmm. This is what we're trying to build. Um, and people got really excited about it and are still really excited about yeah. it. So we are very much still fleshing this out, right? Like how do you strike the balance between delivering great content, partnering with, you know, the best brands in the education uh, marketing spaces, the ed tech spaces, et cetera. But then also at the end of the day, make sure that, you know, what you're really focused on is delivering great value to your subscribers. Like we don't want our subscribers to feel like this is just another media company in this space that is just, you know, pummeling ads at us. Like we're subscribed to, uh, to, uh, I will not name the association, don't worry, but a couple of associations in this space and you get their newsletters, right? And like 75% of the content is ads like we we that is like the antithesis of what we're trying to do here um so i don't know you tell us as our listeners followers, like how we're doing here (laughs) but like the goal from the very very beginning was like we want this to feel separate we we want this to feel genuine we want people to understand that no 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 this is a resource for you so much so that even in our messaging even in our language like we're very specific this is for the enrollment marketer not enrollment marketing not enrollment marketers not higher ed marketers right this is for the individual this is for mm-hmm. you this is for anybody that's working in admissions or marketing in higher ed and we want you to see enrollify as your biggest ally in you in the context of your career like we want you to think about enrollify right as this is your best friend. This is this is the this is the group that you can lean on when you're thinking about your next gig. You know, Zach, th- Zach, I have <laughs> to stop you right please, now because please. like first of all, I had goosebumps and I'm I'm slightly weeping because that's all beautiful and I think we that message needs to be clear to the subscribers. Yeah. Like absolutely this is why it's built. This is our purpose. This yeah. is for you. I hope that's loud and clear. But back to your other point about like you tell us. Yeah. Um, like I think all of the feedback that we've gotten thus far has really propelled us in certain directions to to build the next thing or to think through the next thing. So without that, you know, user generated feedback and in thought, then we're nothing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And again, we are one of the things I love about our team and Nat and I talk about this all the time is like we're really good at like owning what we're not good at like yeah. we're really good at being like you know what this sucks or <laughs> we're not we're not nailing this right now mm-hmm. and i think that the reason we've been able to grow is because we've got this core value of like treasure transparency and yeah. that's just so integral to everything that we do um or at least aspire to do but yeah anyways maybe maybe enough about us um, enough about us <laughs> here we go we're droning on um but i do think it is going to be helpful to just dive into like more of the the hot 100 list yeah you know, the, the point of getting to this 100th episode of enrollify how can we make this a different episode than before yeah. other than you know someone else hosting and you being the interviewee i think we just need to like get into a super quick back and forth give me what's fresh on your mind about 
what I shoot at you over the next, you know, 10, 20 minutes. Okay. Are you ready Whew. for this? Yes, I'm ready. Let's All right, do it. buckle up, people, because okay. it's about to get real. <laughs> All right, ready? What are the five channels or platforms in higher ed um, that marketers should be looking at for recruiting for undergrad? Mm. Well, I mean, there are the the obvious, right? TikTok, Snapchat, Instagram, and I think, you know, YouTube definitely for sure. I think though that- That's four. The, that's four. I know. I know. That, the four obvious. I, I think rather than focusing on platform though, to be mm-hmm. totally candid with you, and I, we could throw a fifth one uh, in there as well. We could, you know, talk a little bit more about- you know, the the stuff happening in the community space with like the Zimis of the world, right? Um, the Unibuddies of the world. And I, I do think that those channels make a lot of sense and folks should double down and, and focus on sort of like strategies that incorporate people that are um, that are conducive to people that are a part of these sort of like membership-based groups. Yeah, but you're about but, to say something prolific here. But, but I, I think the question we should be asking is, how do we take the format of content that we have and ensure that that the, the, the format of our existing communications are actually conducive to next generations? Mm-hmm. And I think that like the fact that there is still, I have still, and we're, we're pretty in the know of, on these things, right? I have yet to see a single communications flow of any college or university that is video first. Like it, do, it just doesn't exist. There's still... Every search campaign still has tons and tons and tons of tons of emails. Now, mm-hmm. there are videos in those emails, you know, but is there a video first communication, a video first post inquiry communication flow? I've yet to see one. And so I think rather than focus too much on channel, mm-hmm. because I think that, you know, channels, they're, they're kind of obvious. People know that they, need, that they need to play in these spaces. What's harder is to think, how do we funnel, how do we package our message into a format that next generations actually care about? Right. Well, if you're listening and you do have a video first yeah, strategy, please, call us out. please yeah. come to us and tell us more. All right. Who are two people that influence you and why? Oh, gosh. Just pick two. Okay, just two. I have a lot of great influences. Um, okay. a Maybe a little bit more obvious one is Guy Raz. So Guy Raz. Is who, it obvious? <laughs> Question mark. <laughs> Uh, Guy Raz, for those of you who don't know who Guy Raz is, he is a podcast host, um, and he works for NPR and his kind of claim to fame is the, how I built this show. And I've listened to that show for, I don't know, three years, uh, four years maybe. And, you know, I've pretty much listened to to every episode. Um, I appreciate his approach to storytelling. I appreciate the way that he asks questions and I aspire to be, you know, a little bit more like him, um, in the context of my own podcasting career. So Guy Raz. And then the second one is probably Sam Parr. Um, Sam Parr is the founder of The Hustle, who actually, The Hustle was just acquired by HubSpot, which is a big deal. Uh, Congratulations to Sam and the team there. Um, And the reason why, like Sam's, Sam's a fiery character if you haven't listened to the my first million podcast it's totally worth listening to mm-hmm. um a lot of the ideas that i've had that we we you know recycle and repackage in the context of enrollify stem from some stem from ideas that are shared on that show and um one of the things that you know sam just does really really well is he he knows himself i mean the dude is like not afraid to embarrass himself i mean they have hundreds of thousands millions of downloads per episode right they're they're a really big podcast 
not afraid to just really lean into who he is, understands his value, also understands his blind spots. And I think, especially in media, right, it's hard. It's hard to admit the things that you don't know. Yeah. It's hard to be a genuine voice because you always want to feel like, like you're the host. You right. must be the smartest person on yeah, the call. Yeah, subject or, matter know, expert yeah. all day long. People come and they ask you these questions like, what are the five channels and platforms hired marketers should be looking for, right? And it's like, oh, well, oh I, have, I better like not have the classic, like the standard answer. I better come up with something good. Sam just like doesn't care about any of that. He's right. just, he is who he is. Um, he owns up to, you know, his mistakes. He, sh but at the same time, he delivers consistent, great value. Like he is just like an idea machine. So Sam Parr and Guy Raz, I guess, are two of my current influences. Excellent. I'm not taking it personally that you didn't name me. <laughs> well, Nat, you're, you're too obvious. <laughs> oh, yeah. You keep saying that everything's obvious. I don't think anything that you're saying now is truly that obvious across the board. Oh, you're too kind. Like, you're you've kind. got a lot going on in your brain that let's just hear it um, and, and put it out there. So you you kind of touched on two of your influencers being, you know, major podcast hosts themselves. Yeah. So like, what are five things that if somebody were starting a podcast that you hmm. want them to know that you think would be super helpful in getting that off the ground? That is a great, great question. Number one, insert yourself into the conversation maybe a little bit more than you think that you should. Wait, so I should interrupt you right now? Exactly, and exactly. you're like looking at me like, come on, Natalie, have a conversation. <laughs> no, but uh, in, I think, so especially if you have a podcast where you're going to have 100 episodes, right? Mm -hmm. People people do de develop a a loyalty to to you. Like they're interested in 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 your story. And I think sometimes or or they appreciate how you ask questions, right? Like and this is maybe not everybody, but like this is the people that keep coming back. Like they're coming to hear the interviewee for sure. Mm -hmm. But they also are curious what what is Zach going to say about this? Right. What is Natalie going to say about yeah. that, right? And so I think the temptation sometimes, at least for me is like, okay, you need to make sure that you minimize your talking time because mm -hmm. one, Zach, you talk too much. <laughs> and two, Zach, like people are here to, you know, they want to hear Brandon Bastide or sure. they want to, you know, hear Mark Killens from Drift. They don't, they're not here to listen to you. Um, and one of the things that I've just learned is like, uh, that might be true to an extent, but people also do want you to insert your opinion. They they care about what Zach thinks. And so right. I, to anyone starting a podcast, like, if you plan on growing it, right, I do think it's important to insert yourself into the conversation. Be comfortable with sharing an anecdote that might be ten slightly tangential to the, the core conversation, but allows your listeners to get to know you a little bit more, get to Absolutely. know how you think. So that's number one. Number two, don't be so worried about time. Right, I think that with podcasts, like there's this temptation to like, uh, yeah, this is not As a direct attack. Yeah, I'm like, we're gonna try yeah, to yeah. keep it under 45 minutes. So, and, and I totally like, I totally get that. And maybe this is just a me thing, but I believe that if content is good, it, it could be five minutes and excellent. It could be 55 minutes and excellent. Like, it, it focus more on making sure that the content is good. Worry less about how long the content is. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you can deliver value in five minutes or sure. 15 minutes. Right. Other times. You know, it takes 45 minutes to get to the meat of something and be comfortable with that, I think is is really important. Number three, I would say when it comes to sourcing guests, right? Shoot for the stars. Like, oh, yeah. like legitimately people like talking about themselves and people, most people, right? <laughs> some people. Some people. <laughs> some people. Yeah. Thank you for correcting me. Some people have ideas that they think are good that they want to share with the world. They, they will share an idea with anyone that will listen. Mm -hmm. um, and 
I, in my experience, right? And I use LinkedIn for everything. Like LinkedIn is- The power is, of LinkedIn. Yeah, the power of LinkedIn. Yeah, it's an internal joke. We say it all the time. Because LinkedIn Organic is still awesome today and hopefully will be for, for another couple of years before, you know- The next thing. Before the next thing. But right now, it's it's beautiful. And um, sending people connection requests and saying, hey, I have- Now, you have to do a little bit of homework. Like go Google their name. This is the framework, literally. Like this is how easy it is. Google the person's name. Go find something that they wrote. Go find another podcast they were on, whatever it is. Go skim it or go listen to five minutes of the podcast. Send them a LinkedIn uh, connection request. Say, hey, I read this post that you published on Inside Higher Ed. I found this particular insight interesting. Would love to to have you on my show to talk about X. That's it, right? 90% of the time, that will work. They will accept the connection request. They will come on your show. It really is that simple. So do a little mm-hmm. bit of homework, but shoot for the stars. Like we've had people on this show who have huge followings, like way, way bigger followings than like the Enrollify podcast has. Like Rand Fishkin is a he's a major player in in the space. We had the uh, the founder of Marketing Brew, which is a division mm-hmm. and a sub newsletter of Morning Brew on the show. And I mean these people have huge reach, right? Um, and yet they came on our humble little podcast, right? Mm-hmm. So I think shooting for the stars really, really important. Um, I feel like that's maybe sufficient. That's three. Right. That's, that's three. three. Those are solid. A solid three. Good. Good. Thank you. It's all about quality, not quantity. There right. Yes. Um, so super random. We're going to switch it up and talk about your, your routine. So like mm. Zach personally, um, other than coffee, because I know that's a top thing that you consume. What are the top three breakfast choices that oh, you gosh. go for to have, you know, a successful, effective day? Well, my standard used to be, you know, a couple eggs, maybe a piece of bacon, maybe a piece of toast, but (laughs) maybe, maybe, maybe. Yeah. Uh, I guess the standard was there was no standard, but then I started following Seth Godin a little bit more. And one of the things that Seth Godin talks a lot about is like, he has the same thing for breakfast every single day because it's one less decision that he has has to to make. make. And so since I read that, um, and breakfast is one of those meals where it's like, I, I like breakfast, but I don't love, like I, I'm a big foodie and I, mm-hmm. I love a good dinner. Yeah. And so I, but I, I could care less about like what I eat at the start of my day. Hmm. So I eat oatmeal with some peanut butter and some shaved almonds. And that's pretty much what I eat every single day. For Oats breakfast. and nuts. There Oats you go. Nuts. There that's you it. have it. That's the magic sauce. Yeah. To somebody who I very often will get to 11 o'clock in the morning and realize I haven't eaten breakfast. Oh, gosh. So then. You're one of those. I, yeah, it's, I got to work on this. So I'm very aware, people. <laughs> um, what is your one go to song when you hit a creative slump? <sighs> You're all about Spotify playlists. By I am, the way. A, I am know, like, all about Spotify playlists. You know, leading yeah. into this week where we're, we're in the office together and we're getting the full team together. Zach, of course, throws out uh, a Google Doc sharing what songs do you want to hear on Sonos <laughs> as we dig into the work week. Um, so, yeah. What is your go-to? <sighs> my go-to, my go-to. So, I mean, I guess to be totally candid, I have horrible taste in music. Like, I am, I am like a sucker for just like crappy pop music. Like... I mean, my wife makes fun of me all the time because, like, you know, whatever latest Justin Bieber or Taylor Swift song is out there, like, I mean, I, I dig it. I dig it. Yeah, I know. I, I wish I was one of those people that was like, yeah, man, like, check out my 
check out my Spotify playlist. Like it's, it's, you know, I've got, I've got everyone from, you know, the diverse sort of like the originators of reggae to like <laughs> underground hip hop that you've never heard of to, you know, Shania Twain. And that's right. just not me. Like I, I'm just a sucker for a good pop oh song, but, gosh. but I will say, I will say that there, I recently stumbled upon this playlist. It's actually not a Spotify playlist. It's called BigDeskEnergy.com, and it's actually this guy, Tyler, who was at Morning Brew, and Morning Brew was recently acquired by uh, Business Insider. He left, and he's doing some cool things in the tech space, but he put together this really, really epic, like it's EDM meets pop meets other things, and it's just, I mean, I listen to it almost all day, every day. Like when I'm not in meetings, awesome. I'm listening to Big Desk Energy. So BigDeskEnergy.com. Shout out to Tyler for putting together such a great playlist. But it's either that or like, you know, right. Justin Bieber. So. I'm definitely going to check that out because I I vary between the the EDM. I need something to pump me up. Yeah. I want to move a little bit, shake a little bit versus, you know, I can get into the 90s grunge. Sometimes you just got to like crank it out to Nirvana and, and get your stuff done. Um, <laughs> so the, and you also... You said Shania Twain, so I just have to say this now, too. When we're looking at the 100th episode milestone, what comes to mind first for me is, looks like we made it. (laughs) (laughs) So shout out to Shania Twain and that epic song that, you know, we've we've made it this far. And to all the haters out there, which I don't think there were any. (laughs) Shame on you. Yeah, in our mind. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Because we're we're still going strong. Yeah, and if Shania, if you're if you're listening, we could use some new intro music for the pod. So if you are inspired, please right. email me at Zach Z A C H at enrollify.org. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Pick one school's tagline that you've seen recently that you really liked and why. Mm, gosh. Yeah, we're bringing it back to higher ed. We we yeah. kind of went on we, tangents. Off. Yeah. Yeah. Um you know, I unfortunately I, I can't say that I have seen a tagline recently that I've really liked. Um, what I will say is I've seen schools more and not not a lot of them, but a couple of them. University of San Diego School of Business kind of comes to mind as like being a school that is really interested in totally changing their messaging so that they are uh, creator focused. And what that mm-hmm. what that means to me is if you you know there's there's a number of studies out there that talk about how kids today right uh 12 to 17 year olds more of them want to be youtubers and more than want to be sort of like instagram famous than they want to be lawyers or doctors or astronauts right and yet colleges and universities just haven't spent a lot of time or i haven't seen too many great examples of folks changing the messaging in their communications to speak to the creator economy like Mm -hmm. the like future creators like there is this understanding that kids want to be – kids are more entrepreneurial today than, than they were even, you know, a decade ago. And a lot of that is because social media has given people the, the idea that, right. like, it's really easy to create content, to put something out there, and to amass a following. Like, yep. they, we've sort of, like, democratized influence in a way um, thanks, to, thanks to social media. And obviously there are a lot of cons to this, um, and I don't think that, you know, everyone is meant to be a YouTuber necessarily, but – 
one of the things that's cool about what University of San Diego School of Business is doing is they are taking like a, hey, we want to speak to that audience. Like we're very entrepreneurial in our thinking and we want to be so provocative as to say that like you can come and learn frameworks here to help you build the next TikTok or to help you think differently, right, about what the future of media will be. Mm -hmm. And I just appreciate schools that are willing to, you know, pardon my French, but be so ballsy as to lean into that direction. And I think coupled with that, one of the challenges in higher ed, and I don't, I won't pretend to understand sort of like all of the nuances that exist here, but one of the challenges is that, you know, higher education is this like beautiful, like welcoming, like diverse community. And I think that there are so many pros to that. I think one of the cons, and I don't think that this is a real con, but maybe one of the perceived cons is that you have to water down any sort of differentiation to appeal to kind of like the lowest common denominator. So you see taglines like advance your career here or learn, do, exceed, right? And maybe that looks good on like a little banner when you're walking down towards the student center on your campus and whatnot. And maybe that maybe that's okay. I don't know. I I just believe there's so much more creative potential in higher ed. And there's so much more that we actually offer to students. There's this is a stepping stone to the rest of the world. And I, I wish that folks could maybe think a little bit more, a little bit more deeply about how can we differentiate? Right. Like you actually, as a school, you shouldn't be trying to attract everyone. Mm -hmm. Like that, that gone are those days. Like we are living in a world where 2026, like the, anyone that works in admissions, anyone that works in marketing is very sober to the reality that like higher education as a, entity has a brand problem right now. And so I think that the schools that figure out, all right, you know, how do we maintain diversity as a top priority, but then how do we also get really, really honest with ourselves and speak really clearly about these are the kinds of students that can excel here in a unique way. And that's who we're going after. Right. The and folks that get that, yes. they're the ones that are going to win. And right. I believe there's there's tons of room for for folks in the space. Like this does not need to be limiting. Yeah. I just think that the future of education, the future of institutions, is going to be much more personalized, much more specific. And higher ed marketers, admissions folks, need to kind of lean into that and not not veer away from that. Not worry so much about like the potential of excluding one particular you know kind of persona mm -hmm. uh, at the risk of like watering yourself down so much that nobody knows right. what it is that's distinct about you. Yeah, we've talked about this internally too, where it's it's like you're sending an email to the full team and you're not exactly calling anybody out or tagging a specific person. So you're sending it to everybody and there's you know action items woven in, but nobody really does them because they don't know who exactly we're talking to. Um, so it's that those two layers of cutting through, right? It's the we need to cut through to be different, to differentiate. Um, we want, you know, like nobody wants to see the same messaging across all their institutions as they're looking for their next, you know, big ticket college tuition price yeah. point. Um, but it's also the cut through in terms of like we're speaking directly to you and that's okay. Hmm. Yeah. It's so like just, just do it. Yeah. And honestly, I really – I don't think that you have anything to lose. Like I, I really – I think that if you don't – you're going to lose it all. Like right. it, it really, unfortunately, is going to be that simple. Great. Was there 
a specific tagline in there? No, so no, no. I, I sort of uh, I avoided the question because I mean to be honest, I I should have read these questions before we got on. Oh, um, just just but, but yeah, no. So n- nothing specific. But again, the schools that are leaning into brain differentiation, the schools that are actually doing the work of thinking, what are we being honest with themselves? What are we actually good at? And then leveraging that. Those are the schools that I would follow. Awesome. Is anybody keeping track of how many, you know, the point here was to have 100 insights randomly or not. I don't know what what count we're at, but here's a random one for you. I want you to name, (laughs) you shouldn't have looked, name all the seven Snow White dwarfs. What? Like you're on the clock. Just name them. Ready? Go. Um, gosh. Okay. Sleepy. Dopey. Yes. Um, sleepy, dopey, happy. Yeah. Grumpy. Um, four. Okay. Did I say sleepy? You did. Oh. You said sleepy <laughs> several times. Um, geez, I, I, I think I maybe sleepy, saw Snow White once. Sleepy. sleepy, dopey, bashful, grumpy. Bashful. I didn't say bashful. Oh, oh shoot. That was bashful. in my. <laughs> I also don't have a list so in front of me. Five. We have five. Um, how is this? Doc. 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 And, and our listeners are probably yelling yeah, at us right now. Like, Come on. What is it? Tell us and you'll win a prize. Yeah. Um, point there being is like okay there's seven dwarves in the snow white <laughs> group and also quick shout out to our you know internal and rollify team the people behind the scenes where i typically live oh no um, you're not you... gonna make me match <laughs> you're not gonna make me match the team to the seven dwarves are you like not necessarily you know this person's doc and this person's bashful but if you had seven team members and you could make their own names <laughs> Okay, okay. Who okay. do we have in the list? I, you don't have to name who lines sure. up with who, but um I'm going to I'm going to pivot here slightly. But um if I had if we had 17 members, first of all, that would be amazing. I can rollify. And rollify is is it's an it's impressive We're what we've been able to do. Small but mighty. Small but mighty. Small but mighty, right? Um I mean, I'd be remiss not to again call out you Nat first and foremost just for all of the work that you've done to make what we are today like significantly better and greater than what you know i could have ever imagined it it would be um and in such a short you know relatively short period of time Mm. um i think of sam um who sam is one of our designers and he is just he's so talented um if you need a creative approach to anything or a a different perspective or you just want something that's like freaking beautiful like sam is your guy um, and I got to work very closely with Sam on sort of like the initial mock-ups of what Enrollify, the, we- the website would be. And that was such a fun experience. And, and to this day, like we get messages from folks saying, Hey, like your website is different. Newsflash, <laughs> exciting announcement number two. <laughs> we have a new website coming out. Oh, Woo! Look for the relaunch. Look for the relaunch. <laughs> but, um, the, the current kind of like as is state of the site, like we still get lots of really good feedback on it. And like Sam gets a ton of credit for like pushing the envelope and thinking a little bit differently about how do you, how do you sort of showcase a robust content, uh, resource in a way that's, you know, beautiful and mm-hmm. user-friendly. Um, and then, uh, I mean, there's, there's so many people like there's the exec team at direct development that like, first of all, made in possible, allowed us the time to kind of, uh, build this out and gave us, you know, a little bit of runway. Um, but I would be 
you know, very, very, very remiss if I did not call out two other people that are. I've also used the word remiss like remiss. three times. Oh, can we edit that and out? My gosh, you're I mean, so no, but redundant. What's so funny is like I don't think I've ever said that word before well, in like the context of a podcast interview or maybe even it's, ever. So. It's that whole concept of like once you say it for the first time once, yeah. then it's up. Oh, it's now woven in. Another too thing many I say times. a lot that I realize I, that I've realized is I say the reality of the situation is <laughs> fill in the blank. I say that like my wife gets on me. Zach uh, knows all. The reality of the situation <laughs> is. You know, schools need to do a better job at communicating with prospects in a differentiated way. Like, right. um, anyways, you, I digress. You also say, you all. You all. Lot, or like, you know what it is? It's because, so I grew up in Hawaii. And in the way that I speak today is mm-hmm. very different than the way that I spoke then, right? Like, my, my parents were born and raised there as well. So I grew up in a culture where, like, it was called pigeon, right? And pigeon is sort of this, like, uh, it's this homage of like um uh this conglomerate really of like slang um mm-hmm. english japanese chinese um some whole like native hawaiian in there and it's just this it's basically just hawaiian slang um and the way that you talk there is very 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 different than the way that you talk in northern virginia which right. is where i moved when i was 16 yeah and so i had to train myself mm-hmm. um to say you all as opposed to you know we, we just said guys all the time um mm-hmm. uh and you know it's not y'all it's not y'all because i'm it's, also not from the south right and it's, it's you you all. all or your all's website your all's you know, website yeah you do yeah, yeah. Like, i don't know that's I, a zachism because a zachism yeah i don't know um what were we actually i also i also about? so yeah actually we should circle back on the, the people that made all this possible that are amazing but last thing i will say is i also i when it comes to grammar, mm-hmm. I I am terrible. Yeah. I am terrible. And you know why? It's because where I grew up, like you don't, the way that you speak is so different and you just don't, I just never learned. Mm-hmm. Like, um, and I, you know, I did really well. I got to, was privileged enough to go to some good schools, but like grammar, just yeah. not my thing to yeah. this day. Like I have to like, I slack all the time uh, messages out to the team and I'm like wow that was grammatically incorrect and <laughs> it's like the it's like the one like I even like the van versus then something right. as simple and right. dumb as that I, I'll like spend time thinking about <laughs> yeah but I'd, I'd I'd personally you know I used to be you know grammar freak and I used to and to the point where I'm text messaging a, a boyfriend and they they're not my boyfriend anymore because they didn't use the right punctuation <laughs> that that's like come on Natalie I turned myself around so now when I see I think on social media or on Slack, you know, communication channels, I'd rather see an improper use of your than an edited, you know, a uh, sign that yeah, something was yeah. edited. It's kind of like, just do it. Like put your, put your stuff out there yeah. and, and don't worry about edits and making everything perfect. Yeah. I've, I've come to really appreciate people that, you know, put it out there and not overthink. I like that. I like that. Yeah. Well, Hey, I appreciate that. Yeah. You're, you're speaking to, to people like me, but the, last two people that I think we definitely need to call out in the context of people that made Enrollify possible. First and foremost was, is, is Matt. Um, Matt on our team, he built Chatter, right? Yeah. And Chatter, which is our review site. It's basically like Yelp, but for higher ed. Matt built that from, from scratch mm-hmm. with very, very little direction. It was literally like, dude, I want to like, I think we should make like a Yelp for higher ed where people can review software and services agencies that work in the, in, you know, the higher ed space. Okay, and he was like, "All right, 
I'll figure out how to do this. He had mm-hmm. never done this before, mm-hmm. and and he did it. Um, and he's just been such a champion of uh, basically all every product project right. that we've had the new build the out innovation of like yep. he just he's so good at taking a legitimately half-baked maybe even quarter-baked idea <laughs> and like and bringing it to life um which is which is amazing and then tatiana tatiana, tatiana the, the heart of enrollify i mean she really has helped us grow into something that was you know a side hustle if you will mm-hmm. for dd to a fully functional operation. Oh my gosh! Division. Wait, she just walked by. Oh, and she just she walked just by in the flesh. Uh, she's in the flesh. She's actually here. Ladies <laughs> and look at that. Look at that timing. Wow. Um, but you know, she really, really, really gets a lot of credit for helping us treat this community as an actual business. So what that means is like, hey, we need customer support. Hey, we need processes. Like we need standardizations. Mm-hmm. Like we need to make sure that we are consistently delivering value to our subscribers. We need to make sure we're not over emailing people. We need to make like, yep. I mean, the, the amount of like, we need to make sures uh, that she sort of uh, champions is is just absolutely nothing short of remarkable. And we would not be here uh without without sort of uh her her guidance her you know her her leadership really uh in helping us build an organization that is so much more than just a blog and a podcast absolutely and it's it's really you know tatiana one of the the few that zach just rattled off in terms of who's on this team there are more you know sorry if your name wasn't called out but there are i'm gonna get some you know everybody everybody here does you know work in some way with our our brands and with unrollify so shout out to all of you. Um, and thank you to our listeners for like letting us give credit where credit is due mm, because it's yeah. really important that we we do that. Um, and we've got two more questions. Love it. Let's Ready? do it. Yep. What are five events that enrollment marketers should consider attending for the remainder of 2021, whether virtually, in person? What do you see out there? that might be worthy of, you know, either mm. shelling out some cash to attend um, or just truly learn from. Because that's what we're all about, too, is, okay, if you're not going to learn it from us here at Enrollify, yeah, yeah. here's where else you can, you can yeah. take a look. You know, I, I should really know more about what are the higher ed marketing events that are uh, on the docket. I know a couple that I would that I would recommend. Um, and then I have a, a slightly different answer to your question. I'm going to take it in a little bit of a different direction. Fine. But first and foremost, no, <laughs> I think going so HubSpot, uh, who we've talked to HubSpot, a, we've talked about HubSpot a couple times already. They're they've really positioned themselves as uh, an incredible CRM. I think that their best use case, at least for right now in higher ed, they are the most robust, sophisticated marketing attribution platform available in the in the space in the market right now. So you know, CRM in higher ed means you got to be able to host the application. HubSpot can't really do that, so it's not really the good answer. It's not really a good answer there. Um, but they're just a very sophisticated marketing um, attribution platform and automation platform. Anyways, they put on an annual event called Inbound. Uh, many of you have probably heard of it mm-hmm. and or maybe even attended. They have consistent, really good content. Yeah. So I would go, uh, I think, obviously, it's, it's virtual again this year. So I would definitely go to Inbound. I think it's pretty cheap, too maybe like 40, 60 bucks for a virtual all access pass, maybe a couple hundred. Um, <laughs> who knows? I don't know. I don't I take his word for it. I have zero idea yeah. how much it costs. I just know that it's cheap um, or relatively speaking. So definitely go to inbound. Um, AMA, mm-hmm. higher ed symposium. Okay. So 
I, I'm probably going to get in trouble. Um, I think that there, I do think that there, it's totally worth going to if you can, um, and, and whatnot. My bigger, my big thing with, with events in general, and this is, I guess, the, the slight tangent, tangential yeah. answer to your question, um, is there's just a, unfortunately, like, there's a dearth of really, really good content. And I think, I think the why, the why behind this is because either one, you know, presenters, when they go to the, and again, we've presented at like a lot of events and I, I, I feel people's pain. It's like, you're, you've got like a 45 minute window, right? Mm-hmm. Of, and then you've got 15 minutes of Q and A maybe. And you have to decide, do I want this to be this really inspirational, like 30,000 foot talk? Or do I want to get really, 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 really specific and walk people through exactly how to do something? Right. And it's very hard to do both. And and sometimes, like, you don't know who's going to show up to your presentation, right? Mm-hmm. And so, like, maybe you've attracted a bunch of VPs or presidents, and they don't want, like, they don't want the detail, right? They, they want to know, they want the story. That's what they want. And they want proof that it, it's going to work, right? Mm-hmm. Um. But then, you you know, uh, maybe you're going to attract people that like, hey, we're we're the boots on the ground folks and we want to under- – no, okay, yeah, we understand like what a freaking Facebook ad is. Like <laughs> we understand the importance of Facebook being a part of your enrollment marketing mix. But like we want to understand – no, no, like let's get specific about right. psychographic profiling, yeah, right? Yeah, like, how. Break to, it yeah, down. To, yeah, what does, what you know, iOS, you know, 14 update mean, right, for what we can and can't do, what we can and can't know about people interacting with our content? Like there's, a, there's an audience that wants to know that kind of detail and so as a presenter it's really hard to know who you're going to get and so i think most conference presentations quite honestly end up being lackluster not because the person isn't capable of producing content not because the event itself doesn't want good content but simply because it's not enough time to communicate really good ideas and actionable insights Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. my recommendation is instead what would it look like to spend that time, that money, that energy focused f- finding some like a course or finding a cohort, yeah. right? And honestly, like this is not a plug for Enrollify. We don't, we're not offering anything like that right now. Um, right now. Right now. Yeah. Stay tuned. Um, but like, I, I really think the small cohort based learning opportunities, and there are people that do this. AMA has some that I, that I've heard really good things about, um, um, there's another one that somebody just, oh, Academic Impressions has a couple of, of mm-hmm. uh, trainings and cohorts that I think are, are really worth uh, tapping into as well. So I, I think your money and time, quite honestly, is better spent. Like if you want professional development, like don't just go to, you know, the big industry conference this year. Like use that money and say, you know what, I'm it's more time, more effort on my part, but I'm going to commit to the four-week cohort or I'm going to commit to the, you know, uh, six session of, you know, uh, mini sort of like conference or whatever mm-hmm. it is because i think that you're going to get way more out of that that's actually going to be practical practical and actionable in your right. context right so great points anyways that yeah. was i think two events and then a tangent but that's kind of what <laughs> and I'm then a crap at. on events yeah, <laughs> yeah and I, again I, I don't mean any disrespect to no to anyone uh working in the event space it's really really hard especially right now um no. But yeah, that's but that's my you're also opinion. allowed to have these opinions and what you've experienced and what you've heard and you know from your own seat I feel the same way too with yeah. you've got to really look at what you're getting out of the event. And I hear a lot about workshopping yeah. and like, yeah. how can we get a group full of, you know, people that are like-minded that have similar things that they need to battle through in a room where we're, it's like a war room where we're talking through, okay, what is the enrollment strategy yeah. robustly, but yeah. drill it down yeah. and talk about actionable things that we can take back to campus and implement. 
So. Yeah. No, and and I guess to that point too, it really is just about like your expectation. Like, what are you if you're hoping to get like concrete, actionable insight for how to have a better year than you had last year with your mm-hmm. strategic enrollment uh, initiatives? Then I don't think a industry a, a standard sort of like a classic uh, industry conference is the way to go. I think your money would be better spent. Uh, in some sort of like cohort-based learning environment, if you're just looking for some, hey, I just need some inspiration. I just need mm-hmm. a break. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just want to kind of get a you know rough understanding of what other people are thinking about and talking about. Then by all means, right. like go to AMA. Right. Yep, meet new people. Yep, there's always that too. Absolutely. All right, and then lastly, again, We've reached the end. Have no idea how, what the count is. The hot 100 in let's say 30 words or less. Oh God! What message of gratitude or inspiration do you have for our Enrollify friends? What? Mm. How can we leave this episode feeling, to that point, inspired? Hmm. Hmm. Well, so my grandfather, he had this. He was an engineer, and he had this uh, saying that he imparted upon my siblings and I. Anytime we were working with him in his like wood shop and he would always tell us to measure twice and cut once. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure somebody else has said that. Um, I don't know who. It was but just your grandfather. Mind, yeah. He coined it. Grandpa Jack uh, <laughs> coined the term. And, um, you know, I think one of my challenges has always been that I tend to just jump in. I, I'm not I'm not a really good planner. Uh, I'm very much more the way that I like to operate is, you know, dive in and then figure out like how to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, build the you jump out of the plane and build the parachute on the way down or whatever it is, right? Like and one of the challenges with that is in the context of Enrollify is you're asking a lot of people to bet on you and believe in an idea that you haven't even really fully formed. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot to ask, especially from your team, from, you know, your your executives, um, but from your subscribers, from your partners, right? We've, we launched something called Enrollify Premium and we shut it down shut six it months down. later. Yeah. And we shut it down because we didn't feel like we were able to deliver the kind of value we wanted to be able to deliver. And that was the one, you know, paid product we had for subscribers at the time. And that was a hard decision. That was yeah. like a whoops, like, dang, that sucked. And people were super gracious about it. Mm-hmm. But that was hard, right? Yeah. That was like a mea culpa moment. And I guess the gratitude that I have for you all, the gratitude that I have for our our subscribers is that, you know, you've been really patient with us as folks that maybe should have measured a couple of times before we cut, right? Or mm-hmm. maybe should have been a little bit more intentional about, hey, this is our roadmap. This is what we want. This is exactly sort of like our go-to-market strategy with Enrollify. And you've walked with us as we've pivoted. Yeah. You've been gracious enough to subscribe to other shows that are maybe a little bit outside of your area of you know expertise or your your domain, right? Like we're telling stories of, ed tech companies and and their founders maybe you don't really care about that but you're subscribing to it like Mm -hmm. you are following the stories of people that serve the industry even though like it's not directly connected to your job as director of marketing and communications at you know this liberal arts college right um and i just have the utmost gratitude for 
those of you who send a message, an email, or reach out on LinkedIn and say, hey, I was listening to this podcast and this insight that so-and-so shared changed the way that I thought about this. Or, hey, you know what? I stumbled upon this blog that you guys wrote on search trends and I'm revisiting my SEO strategy. Thank you. Or Mm -hmm. reviews that people leave on Chatter, right? Like, it's just so every single communication that we get to this day makes me feel happy and excited and okay even though i feel like there's 117 <laughs> things that we're doing wrong or that we're not doing yeah. sufficient or we're not doing as best as we could even though you know nat you and i argue over like hey we have limited resources to <laughs> like how do we leverage these resources best like when i get that message yeah. when when our team gets those messages it makes everything else okay. Right. Um, and it, it it's just enough momentum. It's just enough, you know, of a kick in the ass to be like, no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. Keep going. Mm-hmm. Keep going. Something that you're doing is resonating. Something that our team is building is striking a chord. People are finding value in it. And it's okay if you stumble along the way. So thank you uh, to our listeners for yes. your graciousness and forgiving us. And, you know, when we miss an episode here and there, or mm-hmm. I miss a Friday is episode because of x y or z reason um thank you for the kind words and and thank you for thank you for walking with us i think we've got some really exciting things coming down the pike and we're gonna grow in a way that i couldn't have even imagined us growing even you know 12 months ago so i'm just i'm just filled with gratitude yeah here's the kleenex okay here's the kleenex i'm gonna pass it over (laughs) yeah because you know if if nothing else from this particular episode of the the heartfelt gratitude for everybody involved in this vision coming to life of enrollifying who we are what we're trying to do here it's just total gratitude um but it's also like we this episode itself we bounced around we we have intention all day yeah. long but there's also we're going to go on tangents and not everything is going to you know be part of the bigger picture yeah there's learning along the way so that evolution there's you know ups and downs and that the walking with each other i really love that too so yeah 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 we want to be at the end of the day we want to accompany you yeah. like we want to be the people that are walking with you throughout your career right like we want to be the place that you come to upskill to to reskill yourself right like and we want to create the kind of content bring the right partners together that are going to help you do just that so as you have ideas as you you know uh you know i I think there's this jen rubio quote uh she's the founder of a way that like i've been i've used i think on three different episodes already so forgive me (laughs) but you know she she's like at least uh uh quoted by saying that brand, uh, no one cares about what a brand says about itself, right? Mm-hmm. Like people care about what other people say about you. Um, and I'm very cognizant of the fact that like sometimes I think we are really, you know, we're just cool as shit. And right. I, I want people to like we're get the bees that. knees. Yeah, and, and like, and you know, we're not. Um, and we, we do, we're doing something cool. We're, we're, we're delivering value. But like at the end of the day, if this isn't what, if this isn't building the kind of community that right. we aspire to be building, they, we want to know. Right. So talk to us. Like, what do we need to do differently? How can we shape a community that's digital first, but maybe not exclusively yeah. digital? We'll see. Yeah. But digital first, right, in a way that we can act as a true companion on your journey um, to success. Like, that's ultimately what it's about. Absolutely. A two-way two way street. Yes. We learn from you. You learn from us. We all learn from each other. Let's go. We want to build a community, not an audience. Boom. Boom. Mic, mic drop. Mic drop. 
All right, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Nat. Yeah, that was fun. If you are an enrollment marketer working in marketing and communications or enrollment management and would be willing to be interviewed on the podcast, or if you have an idea for a topic that you'd like to hear covered on the podcast, please reach out directly to me at Zach, Z-A-C-H, at Enrollify.org. We sincerely look forward to working with you to make Enrollify the most trusted, go-to, digital resource for enrollment marketers out there.